everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. So today's episode is going to be a really personal and vulnerable one. And I want to start out by acknowledging that um, I will be discussing my experience um, and struggles with an eating disorder in this episode. So if you are somebody who is currently struggling or recovering from an eating disorder and you feel like you may be triggered in hearing about this topic, um, I just want to put this warning uh, up front, um, put out a trigger warning there. Um, so really be responsible with you know knowing where you're at and, and understanding what you can handle in hearing about somebody else's story. And if you need more resources um, on support with your eating disorder, I encourage you to visit NEDA, the National Eating Disorder Awareness website um, at NEDA.org. So the kind of reasoning behind this episode um, comes from what you will hear in my next episode. I had the privilege of interviewing um, an amazing young woman who is going to come on and, and share with you guys about her struggles with an eating disorder and mental health issues um, and, how and how yoga played a role in her recovery. And I'm really excited for you all to get to hear from her and hear her story and her really deeply powerful wisdom um, that she has, has gained from her journey at such a young age. And I thought it would be a good idea before we dive into that episode and her story to give you a little bit more context about mine. This isn't something that I've talked about recently online because it feels like such a distant part of my story that I don't necessarily relate to it anymore. Um, but I, I did struggle with an eating disorder uh, when I was a teenager and into my early 20s. Um, and I've shared about that openly online before. Um, but today I'm just going to dive into a little bit more about that story and what that experience was like for me and how yoga also played a big role in my recovery, as well as the sports and activities that actually fueled the disorder even more. So I'll kind of take it back to the beginning. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that I did grow up a, a gymnast and a dancer, um, so I was much more involved in these individual sports that put a lot of focus on the body and body image and what you look like and what size you are and how much you weigh, um, especially as a young girl. So I having that in my background, I think definitely contributed to the likelihood that I would develop issues with body image or eating. Um, this is something that has been studied and is actually really well known at this point that children and especially young girls who participate in sports that, that place a, a strong focus or weight on appearance and body size, um, those girls are, are more likely to develop eating disorders and issues with food and body dysmorphia as they grow up and even at younger ages. So um, sports like gymnastics, dance, figure skating, those kinds of things can, can fuel that. Um, for me, the onset of it was really um, around age 14. Um, it was at a time where there was definitely some turbulence in my family life and what was going on um, for me personally. And I, at that point, tended to be a, a really 
um, type A overachiever personality type who thrived off of finding control and everything. And this is actually pretty common for a lot of a lot of young girls who experience eating disorders um, at any stage in their life, but particularly at that young age. Um, the experience can be, which is what, what it was for me personally, that you feel like these other aspects or areas of your life are out of your control. And so you look for, for one thing to latch onto that you can control. And oftentimes that one thing is food and your body. It feels so easy to be able to control, you know, what you do or don't eat and how much you do or don't exercise. And, um, so while there are definitely a lot of a lot of societal issues wrapped up in how we portray norms and ideals for what women's bodies should look like, um, it's often a lot deeper than just body image, and it's often a lot deeper than just wanting to lose weight. And um, I know for me that was the case because I wasn't necessarily you know, an overweight child. Um, I was actually pretty, pretty lean, um, especially as I started to go through puberty and, and get taller. Um, I was a pretty lanky kid at that point. Um, so it's, it's not that I needed to lose weight. It was more just that I, I needed something to feel control over or some semblance of control over. And um, it also didn't help that at the time, Finn was very much in, in the media. Um, you know, I was a, a young teenager in the early 2000s, and a lot of the magazine headlines were about which of the latest celebrities had um, eating disorders. And you would see um, images of, of anorexic celebrities on the cover of magazines and it, it being almost celebrated and weight loss being celebrated. and these thin images just plastered everywhere we could see them. So it definitely didn't help that, you know, com combined with this um, athletic background and focus on the body and appearance already, that the media was fueling this as well. And I just learned that, okay, this is something I can control. Um, so, you know, I won't get into the specifics about what my disorder actually looked like um, because that there's really no point in that when when people are discussing um, their eating disorders it can be really trigger triggering to those who are still struggling um, and I don't see see a point in going there so I will just say that um, I was uh, struggling with anorexia and I was significantly underweight um, for a period of time throughout my teenage years and it was challenging because it, it got to the point where people were concerned, friends and family were concerned, um, teachers were concerned, people in my community were concerned, and, and people were expressing this um, to my parents, to me, and trying to see what could be done. And I was very much in denial. Um, I didn't want anybody to think anything was wrong with me. And I also didn't want them to take away this coping mechanism that I had developed. I was really scared to lose it. Um, so I found lots of reasons and excuses for why I had lost so much weight. 
why I was so thin and I convinced everybody that I was okay and they didn't need to worry about me. And I did a pretty good job at that. Um, I, it kept people at bay at least. Um, I, you know, at the time I thought that was fortunate. Um, in retrospect, I, it, I think it would have been a wonderful thing if I had gotten help and support at that point, rather than taking a few more years to get there myself. Um, so at that point I, I went off to college and had even more kind of freedom and control. And I did realize, um, at several points throughout my first couple years of college that, um, I was, I was no longer feeling in control when it came to my body. I was feeling out of control and I was feeling this compulsion towards these disordered behaviors. And it was no longer like I was the one choosing them. It was like I had to do them or else, you know, I, I, I didn't feel good enough or I felt panicked. Um, so there were multiple times where I did try to kind of revert to more balanced behavior on my own. Um, but it wasn't until after my junior year in college, going into my senior year in college, that I finally got to this point where I was like, you know what, this is not okay anymore. I don't feel good. Um, these behaviors, I know they're not healthy. I know that my body can't be healthy right now. And um, I was starting to feel a lot of shame around the things that I was, I was doing. And again, just feeling out of control with um, my relationship with my body and with food and with exercise. So that summer, um, I sought treatment on my own. I started working with uh, a nutritionist, a dietitian, um, and a therapist who specialize in eating disorders and went through about three months of treatment um, before returning back to school. And the next few years after that were really me just putting into practice everything that I had learned and everything that I was learning along the way. Um, anybody who's struggled with an eating disorder before can tell you that it is absolutely not an overnight fix going to treatment. You might, you know, restore your weight to a healthy, healthy point. Um, but all of the real work is done on a much deeper mental and emotional level. And it just takes practice and time and consistency. And, you know, a lot of you know that um, then in my early 20s, after a, a car accident, I began competing in fitness competitions. And that ended up being a really triggering process for me as well. Um, I wasn't under eating, um, but I was really strict and regimented with my food intake in counting and weighing the, the food that I was eating and, and being very specific with everything that went in my body and um, the amount of energy I was exerting as well in my, my training and workouts. And um, to be honest, that industry is just a really glorified way of having an eating disorder. It's, it is so unnatural the way that a lot of competitors relate to food and to their bodies. Um, and I think that for most people, it's, it's not healthy. Um, the majority of people, it's not healthy. And for me, I ultimately realized it wasn't healthy and it was bringing back some of those old thoughts and patterns and behaviors. And it was also just really contrary to the beliefs and this, the messaging that I had started to, um, to preach, which was about body positivity and learning to love yourself no matter what. 
Um, so again, I got to a point where I had to repractice all the tools I had learned and then some and, and really start to up-level my healing and recovery. And fortunately, that actually took me to a whole new level of, of recovery with my disordered eating patterns. And that's why at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that that's a chapter of my life and a version of myself that I feel so distant from and not that I can't necessarily relate to anymore because I do feel like I have been in a fully recovered place for a long time now. And that's something so, so cool and so special because I think a lot of women who are in the thick of dealing with disordered eating patterns and thoughts and behaviors, it feels like it's just going to be something that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. And some people will tell you that too, even um, like providers and people in sort of the the field of recovery um, will tell you that you are going to be in recovery for the rest of your life. And I personally do not buy into that. I do not think that's the case. I think that you can get to the point where those thoughts aren't always there, where it's not this pervasive um, struggle and feelings of of unworthiness and like you're fighting your relationship with food and your body to stay in a good place. Um, and I can speak from experience because I was really in the thick of it for a long time. Um, and it's, you know, it's not easy. It took a lot of work. There was a lot of pain and frustration and struggle, but to come to a place where you really experience freedom with food and with exercise and with body image when you did struggle with it for so long is just one of of the most beautiful things I think I've ever experienced. And that is also what led to a lot of the work that I do with my nonprofit, Be More, because you finally realize that we are so much more than our physical bodies and what we look like. Like Truly, your appearance is the least interesting thing about you. And we put so much stock into it. And it's just really relieving to get to the place where you realize you don't have to do that anymore. And that who you are internally really does matter so much more than what you look like. So like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, a big part of my recovery, and and like you'll hear more in the next episode with the young woman that I interview, um, was yoga. So it's interesting because I I did talk about as well how these solo individual sports like gymnastics and dance and um, figure skating, things like that, can tend to put a much heavier emphasis on the body and on um, attaining a specific size or weight or shape and how that can fuel eating disorders. Um, Yoga has the opposite effect. And I will say this again and again, I'm so grateful that I found yoga at such a young age in my early teens because I got to return to it as a tool over and over again in my recovery. And it was this one constant thing that really brought me solace and peace in the middle of anything I've ever been going through, whether it be struggles with an eating disorder or with um, mental health issues or just life in general. Yoga is my anchor. And it's it might sound counterintuitive because yoga is this solo physical practice that you do. Um, you know, you show up on your mat and really 
tight clothes sometimes, tight yoga pants, and you make all these shapes and you, you might find yourself comparing yourself to the shapes of the bodies all around you in class. But the more you practice yoga, you find that that's not what it is at all. It is you showing up on your mat and making all these shapes, but for the sake of detaching from your physical body, like getting more grounded in your physical body to then detach from its importance and connect more to this, this sort of um, higher version of yourself that, that intrinsically knows it's more than your body. And yoga is about, you know, sort of surrendering and releasing all those things that have felt like limitations and transcending them to this place where the physical doesn't matter so much. Your body doesn't matter. What you're stressed about doesn't matter. It's this hour or however long you're on your mat for you to just connect to you. And when I first started yoga, I really thought it was just like a workout. I thought it was about the physical practice and I thought it was about changing my body. And I'm so glad that I continued to do it and found some really incredible teachers who helped to show me that it is about so much more than the physical body. And as you connect your breath to your movement, you come to this place of just peace in allowing whatever is to be what it is. Like there's so much acceptance in yoga and that goes for your body as well. And, um, you know, it's hard to explain until you really experience it for yourself, but that is a tool that is so, so valuable, um, especially for somebody recovering from an eating disorder to do something with your body that's not so much about your body. And that actually gets you to care less about what your body looks like and more about what it feels like. Yoga gets you so much more in tune with the subtle feelings and energies of your body and you start to care more about those than you do about the way that it looks or the way that it fits into certain clothes. So we'll dive into this more in the, in the next episode and I'm really excited for all of you to hear that. But I just wanted to give you some more context about my own story um, so that you know a little bit about my journey and where I'm coming from. And um, again, there are so many more like little chapters and layers and nuances to what I went through and, and what I experienced and how I came out of it. This was just such a short little Snapchat, snapshot of my experience with an eating disorder as a teenager and, and what that looked like in my life. Um, but I do want to reiterate that for anybody listening who is still struggling or if you know somebody who in your life who is struggling, full recovery is possible. And it takes work to get there and it takes the right team and support system and tools. But it can absolutely happen when you put in the work and it is a thousand percent worth it to not be a prisoner to, to this disorder anymore. Um, and again, you might even find yourself like me getting to a point in your life where you're like, wow, that that chapter feels so distant that I hardly even hardly even remember what it felt like anymore. It's like it's almost weird that that was me. And 
you know, hopefully you can also use your journey and your story to impact other people as well. Um, and again, for anybody who is listening, I just want you to, to remember and return to this truth that we are so much more than our bodies and we're so much more than what we look like. And even if you're somebody who feels like maybe you're just a little bit too attached to counting calories or um, getting in a certain specific number of workouts every, every week um, or every day, like loosen the reins a little bit because ultimately there's so much more to life than just trying to control your body into looking a certain way. And you'll enjoy it a lot more when you do learn to, to just surrender and relax a little bit. So if you want to hear more about my specific story, my journey um, with needing disorder um, or, or any part of, of what you heard today, uh, let me know and I'm happy to expand more. And again, if you're looking for support or resources for yourself or anybody in your life, I encourage you to check out NEDA, N-E-D-A dot org. Um, there's a lot of great resources there. And I just strongly encourage that you reach out um, for help and support uh, if you if you think that's something you might benefit from. And um, please uh, make sure to subscribe so you can get updates on all the latest episodes and especially the next one, um, which will continue on, on today's topic and theme. Um, and then next week we have a really exciting series coming out as well. So stay tuned for all of that. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day.